0: beef podcast i am your host gary hill i am sans jamie today she had uh some personal stuff going on i was supposed to record yesterday but um my internet messed up due to bad weather so but with me today is as a new guest to i think any show on the legion feed but definitely a show you should be listening to from the cult of muscle podcast mr cdr how you doing sir
1: not bad thanks for having me
0: oh uh, you're you're welcome always glad to have new guests and you know push push their wares uh speaking of which tell the folks about the cult of muscle
1: uh the cult of muscle is a uh dumb action movie podcast that i do with my uh friend jake uh we talk about two well, we tend to do action movies but uh it's called the cult of muscle so we get it get a, get into the deep cult cuts from time to time i we i generally try to uh find the, the weirder stuff to throw at jake and <laughs> sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but uh I think the the results are generally entertaining regardless. Uh and yeah, we, we cover anything from Arnold Schwarzenegger, J C V D stuff to uh all the way down to the bottom of the barrel, of the uh Oliver Gruner stuff, uh you know, Albert Pun, things like that. And everything in between.
0: That's great. Um what was I gonna say next? Yeah, the next part of the show I guess would be uh have you watched anything uh interesting lately?
1: Uh, well, I know everyone's been, uh, you know, getting their lists together for the uh, the October month, all their horror movie lists together. But I, I've decided to uh, jump ahead by a few weeks and I've been barreling through a ton of horror stuff. So some good, some bad. I mean, I'm a giant horror fan. So when you're trying to find unwatched horror movies and you've seen most of the good stuff, you, you tend to scrape the bottle, uh, bottom of the barrel. Um I uh, re- this week I watched uh, I rewatched uh, the remake of Dead Kids uh, Disturbing Behavior, which I'd actually seen a couple times when it originally came out. Um, I remember it being pretty terrible. It's you know it's one of those sc- in the wake of Scream type movies. It's got a uh, TV cast, but uh, it stars James Marsden, who I think started out. Most people thought of him as a uh, you know a typical pretty boy actor, and he's kind of. Uh, turn that around a little bit he's a fairly solid solid performer um also has katie holmes and nick Stahl. um have you ever seen this one
0: uh yes yeah, i watched it uh it was i was in high school when it came out so it's pretty prevalent when i came when it came out I,
1: I i remember seeing it in high school but it's one of those movies where as soon as i turned it on i remembered everything about it as it played out i forgot nick Stahl was in it um, and he's okay. The, the cast isn't great. I mean, they're not given a lot of good material to work with, but it's uh, it's better than I remembered it. Um,
0: isn't, isn't William Sadler in that movie playing like the quirky janitor type guy?
1: Yeah, he sure is. He's doing a uh, it's it's like a William Hickey impersonation the entire time as the uh, he's like a rat catcher and he kind of figures out the uh, the Achilles heel for the uh, the uh, the mentally deranged youths. <laughs> He's probably the most fun aspect of the
0: movie. Uh, I followed oh, that. Sorry? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, he's he's, all...
1: he's always good. I mean, uh,
0: definitely. What was that big guy's name that, that was body slamming folks in the store? Uh, Chug? Or yeah, what Chug. <laughs> he he went to bang Katie Holmes in that movie?
1: Yeah, he, uh, he's he got a, a bad case of the blue balls in that movie. and gives him uh, rage issues. Uh, I followed that up with Dead Kids, which I had never actually seen, which uh, Disturbing Behavior is a remake of. Um, And it's it's one of those odd um, Australian productions where they tried to make it. I I assume maybe they did shoot it in the States, but it has sort of that Australian late 70s, early 80s look to it. And some of the actors are in there, uh, you know, obviously Australian doing American accents. Um, It stars uh, the guy who played Billy the Kid in um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, And he's actually pretty good in it. Uh, it also stars Louise Fletcher uh, as his, I think, his stepmom. It's got a few decent uh, B actors in there. Uh, it's it's an interesting movie. It's uh, a lot nastier than Disturbing Behavior, for sure. There's some pretty good kills. Um, overall, it's not great. It has an odd tone to it, um, sometimes comedic, sometimes really off-kilter. And uh, I won't say disturbing, but it's, it's unsettling at times. It, it was solid. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Um, And then I watched 976 Evil for the first time, which I had uh, never seen before. And uh, I don't know why I'd missed out on this for years, but uh, I remember it from the VHS days, seeing seeing it on the shelf. And for some reason, I'd never seen it. Uh, And it's awesome. Uh, It's probably one of my favorite uh, recent horror watches as far as like hidden gem stuff i think it's got a fairly decent following but uh i think it probably deserves more praise than it's it's gotten uh i noticed you mentioned on my facebook page that it's it was chopped up on release though
0: uh the dvd release yeah you get it, the vhs you get the full cut there's this list somewhere what they cut out of the dvd release i think if you get it internationally on dvd that you get the full the full movie
1: well, oh, was it, it, was it, it gore or story stuff
0: I think it was gore and story stuff because I, they cut like ten minutes out of it altogether.
1: Okay, because I did notice really the story. Really
0: minor shit, if I remember.
1: The, the way the story plays out is odd because it starts out sort of focused on the uh, the cool cousin character, and then it switches gears about midway through, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of explanation for that. Um, it also it, they don't explain the, the actual like uh, the the phone line at all, which is weird too, but.
0: I, I, I that's, like, that's never really explained. In the uncut version? No, it never really explained it. Oh, they never
1: it, explained it. it. Okay, well, that's fine. I actually, I like that they didn't. Um, I liked how insane it goes at the end as far as, like, an actual hell pit opening up in their yard and everything. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Uh, yeah, that's one that I always enjoyed. Um, Stephen Jeffries as a hoax was always a pretty cool guy in that movie, especially when he started changing... This claws and stuff going from a uh, bitch to bull as they call it, you know.
1: Right. I, I like the villains too. It has a great cast of villain characters, the bully oh. characters, and the the location where they all hang out and play poker in the projection booth uh, is is awesome.
0: Yes, it's a fun movie. I I enjoy it as well. I've enjoyed it for years. Like I said, from from VHS, I've I've watched it so.
1: Nice. Um, I think that's. Oh, last night I watched uh, Cooties. Which is a new release. That one sat in like seemed like it was in uh, sort of uh, in the waiting forever. I remember hearing about it, I think two years ago, festival circuit or whatever, and then it just it seemed to languish forever and just came out on VOD this last week. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, it's not great, um, but most of the most of the comedy works up to a point. I think the last act is uh, a little weak. It kind of stops trying to go for jokes and turns into a tries to be a straight horror movie but uh by that point like it's so goofy that you can't take anything seriously but for the most part i, I enjoyed it quite a bit it's a really solid cast
0: yeah it seemed like it when I, I think i reported about that i don't know like a year ago or something that this was coming together and it have been took a while for it to come out and i've i've seen it came to vod and i haven't caught it yet but i, I was looking forward to watching it and i've heard mixed things
1: yeah, I'd, already the talk is is right down the middle. People are it's either working or not. I think that I mean that's kind of the way it works with with uh, comedic films for the most part. But uh, you know it, it shoots for the moon fairly often, and sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. But uh, Elijah Woods good, Rain Wilson's good. Um, yeah, it's it's also got some solid gore, and uh, I you know I'm not huge. I'm a little done with the zombie thing, but uh, I think they they. Tw- Put an interesting twist on it by having it all kids with a virus. There's some uh, good uh, source for uh, laughs in that. Um,
0: that's it's hard to pull off horror comedy, though. You know.
1: What's that? It's hard to pull off horror comedy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's comedy in itself is hard, and I think those are the two hardest genres to pull off individually. So combining them is doubly hard.
0: Uh, that's all I watched. Um. Yeah. We spent a. I don't know, a week full of rewatches, I guess, because yep. when you had no cable, you kind of got to, like, go with what you got, I guess. Yep. I guess one of the big watches that I've watched a lot of, I, I um, a, while, a while ago I acquired some animation from um, that great company, Mill Creek, who gives you cheap sets for, like, next to nothing. Yep. And I uh, got both sets of the the Cops cartoon series from the 80s. Nice. And uh, those are fun to watch. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this isn't cops like, you know, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? These are cops as in the sense of, they're they're fighting crime in a future time, which means you got a bunch of colorful bad guys for our high-tech cops to fight. One has, like, handcuffs that shoot out of his arm. One is really good at SWAT, so he has a kick-ass laser gun thing. One specialty is highway, you know, This, this, that or the other, you know, and it's, it was a really fun show as a kid because you like see you know, a bunch of colorful bad guys and really dumb bad guys, really bumbling bad guys, like you had in a bunch of those 80s cartoons. So I wouldn't call it a dime a dozen, but it's definitely one of those ones either you've seen it or you didn't see it when it came on. Yep. But um, d- damn enjoyable, and no creep puts out a fine product.
1: Um, I actually remember having uh, – I had some of the toys back in the day. Oh, yeah. I like think I had the cowboy guy and uh, the big gangster dude.
0: What else? There's other stuff. I watched Stir Crazy with uh, Gene Wilder and, and uh, Richard Pryor. That's always a winning combination. It's still pretty funny. Yep. Uh what else? There was there was other stuff. I rewatched I re- Trauma's War because I got the Blu-ray. And uh, that's still one of the best action films ever. Have you ever seen it before?
1: I, I've never seen that movie before. It's one of the few trauma movies I haven't seen.
0: Well, the the basis of Trauma's War is take take the plot The Lost. Or the the plane crashes on an, on an island, and then t- take that kind of the same deal where they they find people on the island and they're they're bad guys, but this time they they got like three opposing armies against each other on this island filled with rebels and mutants and bad guys, and uh, lots and lots of dead bodies in this movie, and it's it's really wild stuff if you have never seen it before.
1: Yeah, it always meant to. It's one of the, the big ones that they put out. And for some reason, I just never got to it. I've always heard it's one of the, their better releases.
0: Uh, other stuff, other stuff. I watched uh, Fury Road again. I don't need to explain that because that's just great. Yep. Uh, I watched Phantom of the, Parad- Phantom of the Paradise and uh, Blu-ray. That, that looks real nice. And yeah, watch that. That's that. It's worth your year investment. Lots of nice extras on that disc. Um... Boo, 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 boo. Lots of stuff I wanted to see that uh, I'd have to get into later on. I guess on the next show I, I meant to go see uh, Black Mass, but I got poor real fast this week. <laughs> you know how that goes and uh yep and, and the visit as well. I wanted to see the visit as well, but I didn't get to go see that either. But um, one that I didn't mention last week that I wanted to mention was one called Danny Collins with uh, Al Pacino. And that's that's a that's a great movie that uh people should watch with um a great cast. He basically plays a a guy, a singer who, uh, gets sick of seeing other, other folks music, like other folks that, that stuff that wrote for him. He used to be a great writer, but fell out of it. And he, uh, discovers a letter he got a long time ago from John Lennon that inspired him to basically write his own stuff again and get off the road and stop doing a bunch of dope and, you know, doing this crazy stuff. So it seems like really like a dramatic film and it is, but, um, it's got people I like in it. Like, uh, Bobby Carnival is an actor I enjoy. And he, he proved in this one uh, why he's one of my favorite actors working today. And um, I, I'd say watch Danny Collins if you want a good drama. And see Al Pacino being really fucking charming. And uh, I guess maybe my big pick of the week would be Danny Collins. <laughs> if I didn't watch it this week, I watched it like last week. So
1: Sounds like a, a big departure from his uh, mangle horn, which is the last movie he did before this one, uh, where he's yeah. pretty damn unlikable in that movie.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we to do next, uh, our beeps of the week. CDR, do you have any beefs of the week, sir? Um,
1: Well, I mean, if you'd talked to me last month, I probably would. But uh, I quit my job last month, so I've just been sitting around playing video games, uh, eating bad food, and generally having a pretty good time. So I'm not beefing with anything
0: right now. Fair enough. (laughs) I got a couple small ones, really. I'll just go with one because, you know, he's a dear friend. But uh, Mike Merriman, who's a member of this network who does evil episodes and the, the not-so-evil sidecast. Well, we, me and him both went to this horror convention this past weekend called Horrorhound horror Weekend in, in Indianapolis, and he didn't tell me he was going there. So he came all the way from Sacramento and didn't tell somebody he was coming to the Midwest. Well, I'm one of those chumps who likes to meet guys he records with whenever he gets the chance, because, you know, what? When, when do you get a chance to do that? And, uh... So my beef was with you, Merriman, telling me you didn't come out. You telling me you weren't coming out to all the way to the Midwest from California to come hang out over there, man. So, uh nah, you're a really good guy, Mike, and I wouldn't diss you like that. But uh shame on you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're gonna get into this now. Uh, this is our hero worship episode. I meant to release this before the Tom Holland interview, but you know, I got a little edit crazy, so. Here it is now. Uh, the films include a film written by Tom Holland, known as Cloak and Dagger, from 1984. Uh, we're also going to do Misery, I think, which is from 1991, 1990, right around there. And uh, Last Action Hero, which is from like 1990, 1993, I think. See how, see, how, see how disorganized I am, folks? It, <laughs> it happened, in fact, yeah. But um, we'll get right into that, With uh, I guess, chronologically. With Cloak and Dagger from 1984. I really don't have any. You watch your trailer because there was like Sands trailer. So I guess I'll play like a a clip or something or we'll just go right into the film.
1: You got to play that uh, great uh, threatening monologue that uh, the villain lays down on Henry Thomas towards the end there.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one, man. We'll be back right after that.
2: real baller. I'm warning you this is not a water pistol neither is this I could turn you into shredded meat in about uh, three seconds with this baby if I wanted to but you've been a real pain in the neck so I'm not gonna be that nice you know what I'm gonna do to you boy I'm gonna blow both your kneecaps off it won't kill you but it'll hurt worse than any dying you can imagine. Then you know what I'm gonna do to you, huh?
3: Shoot him, Davey. Shoot him. I'm gonna shoot you in the stomach. And then when you beg for me to finish the job, I won't do it. I'm just gonna watch you die, slowly. Shoot,
2: pull the trigger. Please stop, I don't wanna shoot you. But I wanna shoot you. Come on. He's a jerk. Kill
4: him. All right. I'll show you what a real hero would do. Watch this. Just gonna shoe over here, okay? Hey. Oh, Agent Axel, bounce the butt. right back at him. Come on. Come on, turkey. Shoot. Come on. Right here. Hit me. One, two, three.
0: Dagger from 1984, 11 year old Davy, whose mother is dead and his father does not spend nearly enough time with him, loses himself in video games and even has an imaginary friend, a super sourceful and secret agent known as Jack Flack. When he accidentally comes into possession of a spy group's secret plans hidden inside a video game, he winds up on the run from them and must learn to rely on himself and Jack to save his skin. But in the end, Dad proves to be his real hero. That's kind of a spoiler, assholes. Yeah. But, uh, this stars Henry Thomas as Davy Osborne, uh, Dabney Coleman as Jack Flack, and Hal Osborne, Michael Murphy as Rice. it's one of the, the, the bad guys. Christina Negra as there is his little buddy Kim. Ooh, where was he at? William Forsythe as Morris. I love William Forsythe in this movie for some reason. <laughs> he had a short lifespan of this one.
1: Yeah. I'd forgotten he was in this, or at least the last time I saw it, I didn't know who William Forsythe was. So uh, he, he left my mind for all those years, and seeing him in this, it was a big surprise.
0: And uh, some other folks that um, they're, they're, they're really I don't even call no name actors, but you know, people you you might know, but you know, one of I see a lot and I really can't remember where he's from. Oh, he's he's the captain of RoboCop as well, but he um. Robert Doqui, I think his name is, he plays the captain of RoboCop, and he plays uh, a cop in this movie as well. So if, if, you, if you don't remember the captain of RoboCop, uh, he looks just like he's that guy. and uh, I've seen him in other stuff that I can't recall, but for sure RoboCop. Um, maybe I I'll take lead on this film. This, this is a film that I enjoyed, uh, shit from the VHS days. I watched it on cable first, but then I, I quickly ran to the video store to to check it out further. And uh, it, it it really, it really the film starts out really strange, like even sitting with, with your cousin playing D&D, but this is more like a, a spy-based thing. Pretty much once Dabney Coleman hits the screen in his, his leather outfit, I was sold <laughs> as him being like this badass spy and this beret and, you know, him, you know, losing the femme fatale and it was all there. I mean, I described this film to Tom Holland as a noir film for kids and this was uh this opening scene sold it for me that way and um, I, I love the fact that you get that those big dice rolling in Jack like that's you're rolling to to see if he's gonna live or die in the game and all of a sudden it is a game and you know they come out of it and that that's pretty neat. Uh, quickly turns to them talking and there's this this video game store that William Forsyth owns. Sends the kid on a kid's on a secret mission to go get him some Twinkies. Of course, because he's chunky and nerds need Twinkies. <laughs> and uh Davy accidentally witnesses uh, a murder, uh, while going to get these this these lovely, lovely snack food for his chunky friend. And uh he is given by the, 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 the dying man uh a video game cartridge, an Atari video game cartridge that's so way back in the day, eighty-four people. That he doesn't know no reason no reason why he doesn't want no, doesn't know why but uh it obviously has important things on it because the guy gave him a broken message about it and he takes it to his friend to investigate and uh yeah then you know it gets wrapped up in this nasty thing with these spies that he didn't want to deal with and you know there's secret government plans on the on the cartridge and. All these adventures and all this stuff that these kids—this kids this kid should not be involved in, like real gunplay and all kinds of crazy stuff—and I'll uh, push it to you, Mister CDR. Uh, was the first time you see this movie, and what do you think about it?
1: I saw it a bunch of times on VHS back when I was a kid, but it's one of those that uh, I probably haven't seen since I was—I don't know—ten between ten and twelve. So kind of like disturbing behavior, I remembered it all as it played out on this rewatch um, I had f- definitely forgotten how uh, this movie doesn't pull any punches uh, only in an 80s movie would you have a dummy death like a bloody dummy death within the first 15 minutes in a children's film it's a solid dummy death too They dropped that guy down looks like about 20 flights of stairs yeah uh, which is awesome um, it's a big departure for Dabney Coleman who you know we're used to seeing him in more comedic roles uh, I think he sells the tough guy spy thing really well. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, that jacket definitely helps him out quite a bit. Uh, it's an awesome jacket. And I, I think it's the defining thing that I remembered about this movie from when I was a kid. Um, he is I mean, he, it's interesting because because he only did comedic stuff mostly or TV stuff, really. I, I think with this movie, it really makes you realize like he could have probably pulled off the tough guy thing in the 70s. Um, he's really badass in this movie, and he sells the humor and, uh, and the sort of like, you know, debonair spy thing really well. Um, Henry Thomas coming right off, uh, E.T. Um, an interesting connection. He, E.T. was, uh, basically the game responsible for killing the Atari craze, uh, right around this time, I think a year or two before this. And, uh, he was in E.T., and uh, so, so the interesting thing about this movie is it features Atari stuff fairly prominently. But uh, I like that the movie doesn't feel like a giant advertisement for video games. They're used, you know, they're, they're at the forefront, but it's not selling you on a bunch of titles like, you know, something like The Wizard came out later and it was just a giant Nintendo advertisement. But uh, this more feels like it's just taking place within the culture at the time and doesn't doesn't. Overdo it, uh, and I like that about it.
0: It's more used as like a like a tool. Like let's yeah. say like the, the the courier had like a like a folder or like a, a document. The document inside the video game because yeah. he's he's the kid, you know.
1: And and you mentioned that it's it's like a noir, and and I know Tom Holland mentioned uh, a huge Hitchcock influence, and it's really apparent. I mean, this feels like a classic Cold War sort of spy. Hitchcock thriller in a lot of ways uh, just with a kid and I like that uh, I mentioned you know it doesn't pull any punches the villains in this movie aren't played for laughs ever and there there's a uh, an actual sense of dread and and ten- there's, this movie's pretty tense uh, for, especially for a kid's film they're chasing him around with silenced Uzis and attempting to stab him in public and you know there's a there's a genuine sense of dread in this movie they're like are in danger uh that he they will actually kill him if they catch him, which it's not something you see in in modern children's films uh this is up there with something like Monster squad in a lot of ways that you know they they use language that they that wouldn't use now and and i mean this movie actually has squibs and whatnot, which is crazy
0: yeah we mentioned uh we we were talking to Tom in the interview. <laughs> That was one of the big points that you know a lot of stuff in this film, you know, the, especially the part where Davey kills the guy with the submachine gun. That you, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't get uh, a PG rating for a film like this today,
1: right? Well, and also they don't just have it; they don't use it as just a, a fun thing like he's running around shooting dudes. That moment is actually sort of the fulcrum for the the whole character trajectory, which I really liked. Like they treat it with. Uh, a large amount of gravity and it's kind of the you know it's him transitioning getting rid of his childhood innocence in that moment which uh, i think works really well i think the the follow-up scene with him and jack flack is is probably the strongest scene in terms of the character element in this movie
0: oh yeah it's, you know i don't want to give anything away but uh he he becomes obsessed upset with this hero you know because he made him do obviously uh, something he didn't want to do so the obvious thing would be this, to discard the hero, know, like, discarding childish things, because this film requires uh, this character to grow pretty fast, yeah. you know, when his, his spy game becomes, you know, turns from, from a, a dice-rolling game into real life with real, real consequences.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I the other thing, outside of just the violent stuff, I like that this movie doesn't condescend to the audience. It's It's for kids, and it's for families, but it's... It expects you know kids of you know probably ten to twelve to keep up with the story and it doesn't like I said it doesn't throw a lot of goofball comedy in there even the uh, even the uh, older couple the 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 turnaround with them is very surprising and and alternatively also pretty menacing as well um, and I, I like that there's no one he can trust uh, you never feel like he's safe at any point.
0: Well, she's like a real spy. It's like a real spy. Story, you know, yeah. don't, you don't know who to trust, especially like these uh, these ragtag old folks. Look like you know they'd be at any tourist bus in Chicago, just seeing the sights. You know, yep. <laughs> they they uh, turn out to be not so good people.
1: Um, it, it's got some solid car chases, or at least one solid car chase. I like the idea of sticking a kid in a giant seventies early eighties era boat of a car, and
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> him
1: trying to drive around that parkade is pretty great
0: nothing hurting that thing
1: no <laughs> and i love that it, it's it also doubles as somewhat comedic relief because it's the bad guy's car and he's trying to make his henchman not shoot it up and meanwhile henry thomas is just destroying it driving in everything he can hit
0: yeah, i think a little cool side note is i'm, I'm a big fan of uh, twilight zone and twilight zone the movie had the the same girl that was on the plane heckling with gal the whole time uh played davie's little buddy kim in this movie i thought that was kind of (laughs) awesome
1: i i I recognized her but i I couldn't think of uh, it's not twilight zone but i'm sure i've seen some her in something else around this age um and it's not listed on her imdb but i'm sure i've seen her in something else
0: yeah just in case you didn't listen to the interview this is a basically um another project Director Richard Franklin and uh, Tom Holland they to to got together on this in Psycho Two, if you like that kind of thing. I, I know I do. Yep,
1: yeah, that's a great movie.
0: Um, yeah, the other stuff, you know, it's just a uh, yeah. And my links are not working correctly, so we're just gonna wing this basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't have really anything else. That's a lot more to say about this film besides the, I think it's a hidden classic. That either folks know about or they don't know about.
1: Yeah, he was saying they they took it out of rotation because they were planning on remaking it, but I don't really see how how they could and make it, you know, make it work for the audiences today. It's not it it works as an '80s kids film, but I don't think children audi- or youth audiences are really sort of in tune with this kind of story anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't think especially they would they wouldn't remake it the same way. I don't think.
1: No. And I just think the whole spy thing, like I don't see that working for kids now. They want larger spectacle. I think,
0: especially in the world of, uh, in the world of crazy superhero films and you know stuff like that. This might not be enough for your. uh, I'm not gonna call them dumb kids, but kids (laughs) with with a lesser capacity to sit down through a movie and you know enjoy what they're watching. I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I think this movie requires kids to pay attention and actually have an attention span, which, you know, a lot of kids don't now.
0: Sounds the the kids nowadays. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but real quick, is there anything else, well, not real quick to whatever you want to say about it, but anything else you'd like to say about uh, Cloak and Dagger?
1: No, I mean, it's just it's a really tightly put together uh, thriller and it's it's unique within the, the genre of family films and uh, I do wish it had a, a bigger audience because um, I think it's, it's I, like you said it's a hidden classic, it, it deserves to be more well seen and I think it's one of those ones that works for adults just as well as it does for, uh, for kids because a lot of the time you you go back and you watch one of those kids or those movies when, from when you were a kid that you enjoyed and it doesn't quite hold up but uh, yeah, this one holds up really well
0: uh, maybe myself, like I said, I really enjoy it, you know, for, for all the reasons we spoke about. It's really different. Um, everybody's great in their roles, which I can't say that about a lot of these films, but I didn't hate anybody in this film. And there, there, there's a lot of, dis, you know, despicable characters in 80s films, especially films like this. And uh, it, it made you uh, care about, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I, uh, this is one of the, those are many of the reasons why I love it. So, um... We'll uh, shoot into ratings now. Uh, CDR, my guest, my friend. What do you give it, one through ten?
1: I think I'd give it a seven point five.
0: Okay. Uh, you, myself. I'm I'm right there, right right around an eight. It's uh hasn't really lost any of its luster. It's not perfect or anything, you know. But it uh it touches it touches that um that 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 special part of me, you know, that from when I was a kid playing D and D with with my cousins and you know. Playing cops and robbers in the backyards with my with my friends and it it really really hits that 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 childhood mark for me and uh, for all those reasons he gets an eight out of me but um never fear you know the, these films they go, they do we go together it's all about you know obsession David's obsession with with uh, his his hero Jack Flack and eventually his father and uh, next uh, is in a different churn on obsession and, and worship in in Paul Sheldon. With uh, with um, Annie Wilkes, of course, in our next feature, Misery, uh, that Stephen King joined. And we'll talk about that right after this.
5: Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, fault-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong f- Show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. Oh, good God, a butthole casserole.
4: fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too.
2: This was kind of a miracle you finding me.
4: In a way I was following you. See, that's how I'm your number one fan and all. I've read everything of yours.
2: You're very kind.
4: I noticed in your case there's a new Paul Sheldon book. You want to read it? You'll never realize what a rare treat you've given me.
3: You
2: dirty bird.
3: Misery Chastain cannot be dead
2: misery spirit is still alive
4: yeah, her. I know you've been out of your room
2: I don't know what you're talking about
4: is this what you're looking for
2: whatever you think
4: I'm not doing at least James Kahn and Kathy Bates in her Academy Award winning role God's sake. it's for the best hey, God I love you
0: misery Misery from nineteen ninety, director of Rob Reiner, written by novel different by, by Stephen King. And um yeah, basically synopsis is this a writer who just finished his novel, gets caught in a blizzard and uh crashes his car, only to be recovered by a nurse who uh puts him up in her house and uh claims to be his number one fan. And uh after a while she starts going nutty and, you know, she uh, becomes more and more obsessed with this guy, especially after he makes a literary mistake in her opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'll let you take the lead on this one, sir. Uh, Give us the haps on misery.
1: Well, I mean, this is another sort of, you know, we talked about uh, Dabney Coleman doing a departure from comedy in the last movie, and this is a departure for Rob Reiner. Um, He generally made comedic movies, uh, and... I think his talents, particular talents work for this story well, because, uh, Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes is a- at times, I think she's 50, 50 between, uh, funny and absolutely terrifying. Um, and I think that's where the strength of a lot of, uh, Stephen King's stories come from. He generally nails the absurdity of certain, uh, outlandish situations, um, and, and this movie is equal parts, I think, funny and scary. And uh, I think humor generally, that element uh, actually elevates horror in a lot of ways when it's used well. And I think it's used really well in this movie. Uh, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but on this watch, uh, I, I appreciated the the comedic bits a lot more. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a pitch black comedic movie, but uh, Annie Wilkes is, is a very funny character and. It's also interesting because Stephen King has talked a lot about um, you know his stories come from his own fears and I think that this type of fear is very particular to people that are in the public eye especially on the level that he is and I can see you see that that fear that he probably has uh, of his fan base in particular they are they tend to be pretty rabid so I can only imagine some of the the run-ins he's had with people in the past and where the roots of this story come from. Um, I I also think it's an interesting, like looking at it now in the era we live in, it's an interesting sort of look at the ability for fans to dictate or the, the neat desire for fans to dictate the way a story uh, should be told. Um, Seeing her sort of being disapproving of, of the direction he's taken her favorite character is interesting And being that we live in an era where studios actually look to the internet and change the direction on their films based on the fan reactions of early press, um, seeing that, like looking back on it, it's almost like sort of uh, like he's he's sort of predicting the future in a way. Um, and it's interesting seeing her, you know, she's holding him hostage and basically make, making him write the book that she always wanted in the series that she loves so much. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting uh, considering that it's a movie from 1990. Uh, and as far as, as far as the actual horror elements, it's, it's, it's got one of the most effective and cringe inducing horror scenes. And I think the history of the genre with the hobbling scene, which is, it's infamous it's, it's become infamous over the years. And it, I think it's equally interesting because they, it, it doesn't rely on actual overt you know, gore or violence. You don't really see any of the violence occurring really um, uh, other than one specific moment. But I think it's still one of the most effective uh, cringe inducing scenes in in the genre.
0: I want to see that ankle break. You know, that's yeah. You know what's going on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Nowadays, you'd see bone going through the skin and <laughs> they'd zoom right in on it and uh, um, I also think it's interesting um, that it's, it's J- James Caan in this movie. We're so used to seeing him play hard asses and tough guys and not really used to seeing him in a situation like this where he's so sort of uh, weak and unable to uh, control his surroundings. Uh, it, it's, it, I think it adds to the uh, the, the thriller element, uh, having a guy who you're used to seeing in stronger roles Incapacitated and stuck in the situation he's in.
0: Yeah, I've been there. I had a broken ankle, I don't know, like six winters back, and the the the, uh, the concept of being helpless kind of can drive a man crazy. He can't even take a piss properly, you know, stuff like that. And in this one, it, it, it's no exception. Where you know, as the movie goes on, he gets he gets more well and more well. Until, of course, she finds out that he's getting out of his bed on his own to go investigate things. Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, the hobbling happens and, you know, he's not so well after that. Uh, but I love I love the fact that he, cause we, we got him now, we, especially in the age. Of, I'd love to see this re, not be remade, but like redone in the age of the Internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So many bitchy fanboys online just complaining about where where stories are going, especially with the remakes and new sequels and everything. Like, what do you mean? I mean the amount of shit that that you know. And it's well loved, but uh, Fury Road got a lot of shit yep. for not being a very Mac centric film all all the way throughout. And that that that's not right because it's just one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. You know. If you you look past you know the the, the craziness that is the internet and the, this being not really of the internet time it's only it's only 1990 and the film was written well before 1990 so it didn't even have that in mind at all yep. like what the, what the fuck's the internet you know <laughs> this this just has like, like you mentioned that 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 rabid fan who eats up anything that Paul Sheldon writes and loves his misery character but you know when she she takes that churn for the for the for the for the for the worst when she she finds out that he bumped up her beloved character in this this final book in the series that he's going to write, she's just not going to have that you know she she she's not going to be ignored Paul you know that kind of <laughs> stuff you know and <laughs> and she's going to have it her way or or or, or no way she's going to make him she's going to make him unhealthy if he doesn't change this because I guess all she got to look forward to is you know his books and. That fucking
1: pig, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's the other sort of he Stephen King very deftly throws salt in the wound by having her dictating the way the story plays out and also showing that she's got bad taste and that she's not very smart. Uh she's got, you know, photographs of Liberace everywhere. She's a huge she's the biggest fan of Liberace. Um her humor's terrible. She's just sort of a very simple person, so you kind of also get that extra like terrible feeling from someone who's a creative person having someone who's you know probably not a very creative person dictating the way they think that the story should go to you.
0: Yeah, and then the the that, that whole that whole idea of you know him being him being helpless and you know he has no other choice and she she's doing all these things like she, she knows exactly what he does so she brings him the cigar and the, the bottle of Dom Perignon, as she calls it, <laughs> you know. It's like the, you, you got you to gotta respect that that kind of dedication if she wasn't so fucking nuts, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Gary really likes a nice glass of Sunny D after, after, after everything he records the <laughs> podcast. That's not true or anything. It's just, you know, it'd be kind of awesome. It'd be kind of creepy if somebody knew that, you know. Uh but yeah, this film needs like no, no, no uh, ambiance because it's all there. Everybody's seen this film. That probably is listening to this show. My mom, my mom loves this film.
1: Yeah, I actually watched this with my mom. I think the first time I saw it.
0: Yeah, She, she watches it a lot. She, she loves. She loves the end with the, <laughs> with the, the pig, the pig paperweight or whatever, or whatever the hell that pig thing is. Where he, he nails her with the pig. She loves every time she sees that part. And. Um, I, I love the, the isolation. You, you get a lot of that. You get a lot of that in this movie. It yep. plays like it does in The Shining, you know, where you get the isolation and uh, basically saying, you know, there's nowhere nowhere you to go. There's nowhere you could really run to, even if you were healthy. But he, he, if he had good legs, he really couldn't go anywhere unless he knew where he was going. And uh, that, that played a big role in this movie, I think, as well. Yep. Um... They they even made made a mention. I forgot all about this, but it's in the notes on the IMDb. When they mentioned the guy who went mad in the hotel nearby, it was a reference to The Shining. Nice. And uh, that that was that's pretty wild. <laughs> that even mentioned in the movie, but you know, that's uh, that's I guess that's a connection. Um, yeah. Anything they did, even like the the, the wholesome Annie Wilkes, like like you mentioned, she's pretty funny. But even the stuff she said when she was going crazy, she was almost like um. Like Francis McDormand in Fargo?
1: Yes. <laughs> who,
0: who uses words like cock a you know, in this movie, <laughs> which is hilarious, you know?
1: I actually, I was going to say, as far as the, the small town aspect, uh, Richard Farnsworth is the sheriff. All of that element of the movie reminded me a lot of Fargo.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, who, who who would suspect this woman, who you, you find out later, you know, was a failure of a nurse for... for reasons that they were really bad you know why she wasn't a nurse anymore and uh she just uh not, not a not a very uh stable person you know
1: I love the relationship with him and his his deputy slash wife uh, all of their interactions are great and I mean i he's one of those actors who I don't think he wasn't discovered until later in life and it's it's always good to see him have a meteor role I mean He's, his sort of crowning achievement was uh, Straight Story, the David Lynch film, which he's amazing in. And uh, I, I, I love him in this movie. I think he's great. He's, he's got that perfect sort of balance between being sort of a small town guy, but he's also uh, a lot more intelligent than you'd probably give him credit for being, considering where he is. And uh, I, I think his all the stuff with his investigation and everything is, is
0: really good. Oh well, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it's, it was a long time since so I watched this movie, and uh, I watched it for this show because you know, show ideas come to you in great places. Right. I say that often on this show, and um, yeah, I, I, I can see that everything you're talking about. I, I, I'm sure if I've seen the actor and other things, I know exactly who he is, but I can't really recall. I'm not. I'm not that great with the, that stuff that way.
1: Well, he's one of those guys that you, you know, over the years you saw him in things, but he never really stood out because he wasn't given any opportunity to sort of, you know, have a time to shine. But uh, if you've never seen The Straight Story, that that film definitely worth checking out. He's he's the lead in it as the old man who's basically riding his tractor across the country. It's a, it's in uh, David Lynch's oeuvre. It's it's one of his oddest films in how sort of uh, heartwarming and straightforward it's played.
0: Yeah, check that out. But um, yeah, without saying too much about it, you know, a lot of folks have seen misery, so you lot of stuff to be reiterated. I think a uh, quick few quick notes about this: uh, a lot of big name actresses were uh, <laughs> slated to play Annie Annie Wilkes in this movie, including uh, Angelica Houston, which I, I can see, and uh, <laughs> Bette Midler, Mary Tyler Moore as well, and uh this was slated to be a Broadway play with Julia Roberts as the lead, but uh, Stephen King turned that down really, really fast. And um, there's other stuff. But yeah, James Kahn's role was uh, initially offered to Jack Nicholson, but he turned it down. And um, yeah, basically because he didn't want the same experience that he had with uh, Kubrick on uh, that he had in The Shining. He didn't want a similar effect to that. If you think about it, it's kind of like I mentioned before, it's kind of similar settings. His characters mentioned within the, within the movie so maybe that was like a a little nod by saying this could have been Nicholson, I guess you know. Yep. Um, I don't have much else to say about this movie, but uh, do you have any final things to say about Misery?
1: No, I, I mean as far as Stephen King's adaptations go, uh, I think this is one of the best. Um, the, the, obviously, they don't put everything in there that was in the book, but I think um, I know William Goldman was is was in charge of ad, ad, adapting it for the screenplay. And I think he did a great job. It's just, it's easily, I think in my top five favorite Stephen King adaptations, it's, it's really solid.
0: If I'm, I, I could be wrong, listeners, correct me. I think that stuff they left out, one of which was, um, Annie Wilkes did some pretty filthy things to Paul Sheldon when he was out. Right. I think like sexually, so, like sexual stuff. I think, I think they, they, they might've left that out. Of course, you don't see that in the film. I guess, obviously, but I'm pretty sure that was in the book, and it's been a long time since I read the books, probably since since middle school, actually. So, there's like a little stuff, a little something, you know, stuff like that that they left out of the movie for uh, R-rated reasons, I'm sure. <laughs> um, didn't want to get too X-rated, I guess. But I uh, mean, myself, yeah, it's, it's it's classic. Came out when I was nine years old, <laughs> <laughs> right. so it's, it has been a long time since we came out. Um. But it still it still holds it holds water and I I didn't say as far as King adaptations go it's not my favorite but you know it's not long winded it it doesn't overstay its welcome and uh your your core cast members are pretty damn good in it I gotta say so uh yeah give it a watch if you've never ever ever seen Misery or go and have it a, go have a revisit you know um with that we'll go with our scores CDR what is your score for uh, Misery
1: Uh... I don't have. There's almost no complaints about this movie, so it's it's like a nine point five.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Oh uh, I'm right in there with you with that nine point five. Uh, I'll I'll stick with that. Yeah, no no love lost for this movie at all. I I, I can't say it about all King adaptations, but you know, this is a this is a good one. You know, but uh, with that, we'll move on to our our final feature, uh, which is one that uh, <laughs> I've loved since I was I seen it at the dollar show. I don't know about six times. And Last Action Hero, starring the, the great Arnold Schwarzenegger, right after this.
3: The following message is a paid advertisement for the Cult of Muscle podcast. The Cult of Muscle. You're either in it or you're dead. It's the dawning of a new age. The halls of Valhalla have been shuttered. The heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken to capering for the amusement of the small folk. Their past glory is a distant memory. The barbells have been torn from their once puma strong grips. The beards shone from their square jaws, only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers, to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rallying cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Libsyn and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter
4: the cult of Muscle.
2: Now here's something we hope you'll really like.
4: a great classic comes to the screen
5: Take thy hand fair prince who said I'm fair
1: to be or not to be not
4: to be Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero Jack Slater
2: Slater, you hear me? This is the lieutenant governor. Slater, here's
4: what I do. the governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. <laughs> Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket It's a passport to another world. will get Danny closer to the action than anyone ever dreamed.
2: Don't me. I'm Danny Madigan. I'm a
4: kid. And you're going with him.
2: Who is this port? And where is that smile on his
4: face? I don't even know this kid. <laughs> to a world that's bigger than life. This ticket
3: is magic, and it really works.
4: And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are
3: in there. I've seen it on screen.
4: Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Have a nice day. Have him killed. <laughs> summer it's head-on thrills i have killed people smarter and younger than you head first excitement i hate when it happens
2: he's got the ticket
4: now i possess power real power
2: he's gone over my world
5: in this world the bad guys can win
2: the door must still be open. Come
4: on! If I go, how do I get back? And it's coming at you from both sides of the screen. Where am I now?
2: This isn't the movies anymore, Jack. Please be careful. Things were different here.
4: Damn it, that hurt. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Wow. No! This hero stuff has its limits. And Jack Slater is... Everybody down! No! The Last Action Hero The Big Ticket for 93 I'll be back Ha! You didn't going to say that, did you?
2: That's what you always say
5: I do?
0: Last Action Hero from 1993 Directed by action giant John McTiernan It features Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater and as himself Austin O'Brien as Danny Madigan. This fellow has a great cast that doesn't deserve, and I I I'd hate <laughs> to say that. But uh, F. Murray Abraham as John Practice. Charles Dance as Benedict. Frank McRae Frank as Lieutenant Decker. Tom Noonan as the Ripper, my second favorite role of his, well, no, third favorite role of his, I'd say. And that's hard, because he's my Frankenstein, and I'll always say that until the day I die, you know.
1: Yep, mine too. Uh,
0: uh, Robert Prosky as Nick. Anthony Quinn as Tony Vivaldi. Mercedes Rule as his mom Irene, Ian McKellen as Death. There are some great actors in this movie. Professor Toru Tanaka, yep, as tough Asian thug. You know, come on now.
1: Last, I think this was uh, his, from what I read, his last uh, on-screen performance.
0: Oh, it's it's, it's priceless, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the plot synopsis: This is basically there's this little this little movie-obsessed kid. And Danny Madigan, who uh, goes to the movies instead of going to school all the time. And when the new Jack Slater movie, which is the big action star of the moment, uh, Jack Slater 4 is going to come out. He is invited by his ticket taker friend Nick and projects his friend Nick to to come see this movie, the print, before it comes out. And he is given a magic ticket that was given to him by Harry Houdini. And uh, he says it's magic, but it turns out to really be magic. Cause Danny's transported into the world of Jack Slater and, uh, basically into the movie. And he's having a little kid boner about it. And until stuff starts to get real, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, this is a film I've, I've watched a, a lot. I it came to the dollar cinema cause we was Poe and I've seen it at least four or five times there alone. So I've seen it in the cinema yeah, that's pretty special for me at 12 years old. And, um, yeah, th- this film is, 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 uh, action packed. And, uh, I, I love it. I love watching it now as an adult, especially when I find out what the filmmakers were actually going for in the film, which is basically taking every action movie mistake and throwing it all in one film. Uh, the, the fact that, you know, it, it, within the first, you know, five minutes of the Jack Slater c- sequence, you know, where he, he goes in the movie, like uh, Al Leon classic Asian hitman, uh, dies with an <laughs> ice cream cone to the back of the head. Yep. <laughs> it's really it's really silly but you know it's it, it's like when clive owen kills the guy with the carrot and shoot him up is it absurd sure but did you give a fuck not really it just it just happened you know um but yeah it has a great soundtrack I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say that right away this film is backed by uh a great array of artists making the movie all that much better of course you got acdc doing big gun that was a big single off of this uh this soundtrack, I still have it somewhere actually. It's still in this garage and I'm, si- I'm sitting in right now. Megadeth, oh, uh, Fishbone, if you remember who Fishbone is, I'm a big fan of Fishbone. <laughs> oh god, there, there's so many. Anthrax was on this motherfucker. It, it, it's, it's a really good soundtrack, so if you don't like the film, you might really love the soundtrack to, to The Last Action Hero. But, um, this, much like uh, Cloak and Dagger for me, took that, that, that kid element and, you know, that fantasy world that, you know, we, we all had, you know, as, as, as small, as small people and, and put, took you into the movie with lots of colorful people, including, you know, Schwartz to play a parody of himself and Jack Slater with his, uh, his fancy cowboy boots and you know, his ability to, uh, <laughs> clean tar off his clothes. just a, just a rag and, you know, crazy stuff like that. Uh, great villains. Like I said, this, this film, this film had a, a cast that it did not deserve, a filled with Academy Award winners that, you know, that <laughs> you would never guess that we were, were in this movie. I mean, they even go, and then one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is where the kid recognizes Soliari from Amadeus, and he's like, <laughs> that's the guy that killed Mozart! It's like, who's Mozart? <laughs> They're like, why would I trust this guy if he's the guy that killed Mozart? You know, that's the only thing he knew him from. And he used that big of a cinephile to know what the hell Amadeus was, which I don't believe it out of this kid. But, um, stuff. Like, there's a lot of little stuff in this film, and it's filled, filled with that. Like, there's a scene in the film where I love where he, he magically knows where Charles Dance's house is, because he's seen it on. He's seen it on. I've seen it on film. And Charles Dance plays this great villain where he has different glass eyeballs for different occasions, and that's just what you want out of a villain. And his ability to train Rottweilers to do pyramids
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is really silly but in a film like this you throw caution to the wind either you like this this type of trash or you don't like this type of trash and I'm one of those guys who likes this type of trash and and, and Anthony Quinn as his boss you know doing that heavy breathing stuff and the, the classic I love, I love I love the the the, um, the, the thing for uh, Jack Slater's for <laughs> For for hunting them down was that he killed his his second cousin, which is it's such a, it's such a bad action trope. Again, this film is filled with many bad action tropes.
1: Yeah, the implication is that he's gone through so many family members at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all he's got left is uh his crazy ex-wife and his super hot daughter in this movie. Of course, he had to have the the hot femme fatale, kicking all kinds of ass in this movie and oh there's there's so much going on and i'm gonna leave it to you sir what is your thoughts and, and feelings about last action hero uh,
1: well much like you i saw this in the theater uh when it came out um i think the the main thing i remember about this movie is the amount of pub- publicity that this movie got i think it was sort of the uh probably the most hyped movie uh maybe one of them of the 90s uh I know Schwarzenegger was in charge of the publicity and he paid to have the title of the movie painted on the side of a rocket that was shot into space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I know that he considers this the beginning of the end of his career, at least as far as the 90s was concerned, because he had his hands all over this thing. He kind of took a uh, Sylvester Stallone approach to this uh, production and even down to the music, he he asked himself ACDC to write a song for it and um, you can kind of see his fingerprints all over it like he, ju- it's the height of big A-list action sort of uh, excess uh, it's all over this movie and uh, I think for the time P- that created a giant amount of resentment towards it for non-action loving audiences or even people that did like action movies they thought it was ridiculous and I know, the the lead up to it wasn't very kind to the movie, and I think that was part of the reason it uh, it didn't do very well. Uh, It wasn't helped by the fact that it came out, uh, I think, the week after Jurassic Park, which was probably not the best uh, strategy on the studio's part. Yeah. Um, I I remember a lot of talk about the budget. Looking back now, I mean, you look at budgets now, 70 million dollars isn't gigantic, but for the time it was pretty huge. And I know definitely for McTiernan, it was kind of the beginning of the end for his career as well. Uh, After this, he he had a couple more failures. I think 13th Warrior kind of cemented his his uh, leaving Hollywood for a while anyways. Um, But I think as a a self-referential action film, it's pretty amazing uh, that this, you know, we're so used to we live in a time where every movie references the genre it's in constantly. And this was made at a time where that er, action movies like this were played very straight faced. Um, And I think a a lot of it, a lot of the credit should go to uh, Shane Black because he kind of created this kind of movie throughout the 80s and then spent this entire movie referencing his own career and sort of poking at it and making fun of it. Uh, There's even a, a a small sight gag with a, a cop who's killed in an explosion. And he's complaining that he was, he had two days left to go. And they even put the saxophone stinger from lethal weapon in there. That uh, yes. was a great moment. <laughs> um, two days to retire, <laughs> And it, it manages to have solid action without t- turning into a giant spoof. I mean, it's a spoof film, but it never goes to like lethal weapon, uh, levels as far as the humor is concerned. Um, and I like how many in jokes there is. It's it's they're pretty much one every at least two a minute, and uh, they kind of leave it on the audience to pick them all out. And I think it's it's fun to look back on it and pick apart all the the stuff that maybe I didn't pick up on when I was a kid. Um, I think it. Uh, one thing I'll say is I think it's a little long. Um, I mean it's it's an excessive film, so it makes sense that it's it's as long as it is. But uh, I think once you get into the real world stuff, it maybe slows down a little bit. But at the same time, as far as the characters are concerned, um, I really like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, kind of realizing that the whole action movie thing uh, is just it's all a big facade and him coming to terms with living in reality for a while is is pretty interesting. Uh, I, I like that he sort of gets off on just being able to sit down and have a conversation with a woman. I've never talked to one before. (laughs) <laughs> I love that moment where he's just hanging out with Danny's mom um i i i Danny can be a little grating at times. I know he's gotten a lot of shit over the years for being the worst part of the movie. Uh, I don't think he's terrible. I think he has solid moments and he has moments where he's a little irritating or uh over the top but uh for the most part, he's got a lot of uh he's got a lot of the weight of the movie on his shoulders, and I think he carries it for the most part um oh, go ahead sorry.
0: No, go ahead. No, I mentioned – I didn't mention Noonan earlier. I mentioned him earlier, but I mentioned him in the villains. I, I talk about him, you know – I could talk about him all day in this movie because –
1: Oh, he's awesome. The
0: th- the three core characters. I love, I love anything he's ever been in. It's just there are three core characters he had. I mentioned Frankenstein's monster, of course, Francis Dollarhide and Manhunter, and this, the Ripper, who is just this pockmarked cartoon character axe murderer who kills son in the movie and of course later on you get that same scene where he's going to do the same thing to danny with this i love it <laughs> you get that the, that scene of the movie where he his axe is in pieces he has to put it together yeah like like it's the sniper putting together his rifle that yeah, kind of he, thing he
1: can't even have just a normal axe he's got to have this uh custom built jobby hello nope oh, i'm here
0: okay i'm sorry yeah, that was a, that was a nice touch, and I didn't catch that until right now. The scene where he's talking to, to Tom Arnold, I think it is about him being in costume. What the fuck is wrong with you? And all this <laughs> other stuff, and him having the bad—he has bad teeth, he has bad hair, you know. And you see the clean-cut noon at the premiere, and that that whole scene where he's coming down like he's the Phantom of the Opera, you know, with that freaking axe coming down the the the, the curtain, you know. <laughs> the, that was a pretty interesting scene. I love I love the whole end scene, but uh, continue. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to dive into Noonan there for a second.
1: Oh no, I, I love Tom Noonan in this. He's the, he's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I, I really like that whole finale at the uh, at the uh, premiere of the Jack Slater movie. I think that it, it probably could have ended during that big set piece. I think it go. That's where the length for me becomes like noticeable. Is it feels like it's building up to an ending at about the hour 45 mark and then it turns into you know uh, Ian McKellen coming out of the screen and walking around New York I think all that stuff is a little excessive but uh, I do I love the the premiere stuff I think that stuff's great uh, and yeah. I, I love the Hamlet trailer that's one of it's oh. the thing that I remember the most about this movie every time I think about it um, and I also yeah. like that, that 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 he references his best friend Franco Colombo who he, He's been friends with since Pumping Iron. He manages to throw him in there and give him a director credit on the Jack Slater movies.
0: Yeah, that 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 Hamlet scene is probably my favorite scene in almost any action movie ever. It's great. It is it is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> good good night, Fair Prince. Who said I was fair? He just breaks out of Uzi for no good reason, you know? <laughs> oh man, it's it's so wonderful. Something is wrong in the state of Denmark, and Hamlet has taken out the trash. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I, I remember it like it was like yesterday, you know. So I did watch it the other day, but even before then, just that scene alone is, is definitely a standout scene in the whole movie. Yeah. I,
1: I, I like that. I mean, I, I talked about the, the excess of the, this movie, but he basically... Arnie basically brings in everyone he ever worked with from like 1985 to, to this point into this movie. He's got Robert Patrick in there in a cameo. Sharon Stone randomly just walking out of the police station. Danny DeVito shows up as an animated cat. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just it feels like uh, just him sort of, you know, making his ultimate summation of his career almost in a lot of ways.
0: Now you gotta be curious if Spenley is in this movie.
1: Yeah, he's he's in the he's uh, he plays a bodyguard I think at the uh, mafia funeral. Okay. He's in the background there.
0: <laughs> now, now I gotta look now see. Because <laughs> he pops up in the damnedest places, man. Oh yeah. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah, I mean overall it's it's a uh, it's a fantastic movie and I think it uh, it got a lot of shit when it came out undeservedly because. Uh, you know, like I said, it's it's a little long and a little messy, but uh, as far as this, it's like the stamp on the giant excesses of the the big action movies of the time, and I think it's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I don't think it deserved a lot of the shit that it got, but like you said, the Danny Madigan character can be quite annoying, but he is a big part of this movie as far as the plot goes, you know, that that child's fantasy about what you think your your hero should be and then... Once he's out in the real world, he is no longer that, and he, he realizes that right away, especially when uh, Jack starts punching glass windows and he realizes, <laughs> oh, wow, that really hurts. It's not like it is in the movie, you know, stuff like that. Uh, much like Davy Osborne in Cloak and Dagger, he has to grow pretty fast in this movie as far as reality coming to, you know, to light and, you know, along with all these crazy insane bad guys including you know Benedict and the ripper and just being general bad people that are now in his uh his real world and that that when it, it starts to get serious i think that he throws away a lot of that annoyances that people have problem with in the movie and yeah becomes more like the victim for for his hero jack slater to save and i think it really comes together in the end
1: i like that it gives um arnie a little opportunity to uh act in that last half too he uh you know he gets to show a little bit of pathos and act like our real human being for a little while
0: yeah it does help things you know but as far as uh this goes there's not a lot of dirty stuff in it because they, they make it a point in the movie to say this movie's rated pg-13 you can't say these words so i guess if you had a 12 year old son or a 10 year old son who you wanted to introduce action movie to they it Watch this one pretty easily because there's not it's it's violent in parts you know you see you get some squibs and stuff but there's not nothing too severe in it so that's a plus you know like don't show your son Predator show him show him Last Action Hero if he if he's if he's little enough you know
1: ah uh, show him Predator
0: yeah show him Predator you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> just show him Predator be he has fine. the
0: capacity for Predator he doesn't <laughs> have the capacity for Predator and he wants something a little milder show him Last Action Hero you know
1: it's a, it's a rite of passage for kids six to eight years old show every kid predator he'll be he'll be a better man when he gets older
0: for it until you have that conversation with your wife and he says uh, <laughs> chris really a little pussy really you know <laughs> you have our son saying a little pussy you know <laughs> <laughs> oh but um anything else you'd like to say about last action Hero, sir go ahead
1: no i i think it's really solid it's a it's a good time uh, it's yeah i think it would make an interesting double with uh who framed roger rabbit because it feels like it, it, there's some com- comparable elements. Uh, you know, the the sort of middle ground between fantasy and reality and th- where they meet. I think that uh, they, they would work interestingly w- together.
0: Yeah, they to tried doing that one time. That sounds pretty awesome. But, uh, like I said, classic from when I was younger. I still enjoy it today. gets guess a lot of shit from a lot of my mutual friends, a lot of my friends, whose opinions I respect. They don't like this movie. And... uh I uh, I don't see that, because <laughs> I, I still enjoy the hell out of it. Mill Creek put out a, a No Frills Blu-ray that looks pretty sharp. You can go spend five bucks on that if you want to.
1: Nice. They
0: also put out Space Invaders I'm going to go buy real soon, too. Oh, I
1: saw that. That came out just this last week, didn't
0: it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think so. I'm going to go pick that up for sure. Another, another uh, classic 80s film for me. I think Royal Dan was in that movie. I, I've always enjoyed that actor. Um... But yeah, Space Invaders decide. we'll uh, get into ratings now. What is your rating one through ten, sir? Uh,
1: I'd give this one an
0: eight. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'd say a ten. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not perfect though. It's not perfect at all. But I. I. I enjoyed it enjoyed a lot. So I'm right there with you with that eight. It's just the little stuff that, like you said, the, the dragging stuff. Ian McKellen, I love you, but your your thing was not necessary because whatever, you know. <laughs> How you going to classify Jack Slater? Is that a real thing, you know? Or I don't know. Whatever, man. Great film, great villains. A lot of folks you would not expect to see in a film like this. Like I mentioned, Academy Award winners guys, you know. Yeah. But um Yeah, I guess right after this we'll uh come back and we'll close out the show.
5: Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, the Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs signing off.
2: Movies need only three things: badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell
4: out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know? That the female breast known to be the source of life since eve can be deadly weapons
2: and body counts
4: Mathematics of Murder and menace
1: The BB podcast discusses lesser known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You
4: can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BB and BC podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at BadassesBoobs and BodyCounts.com. Got the goddamn message. Let's got to work. <gasps>
3: My films! Oh, gimme,
4: gimme, gimme! Ah, chinema Porkies, Meatballs, too? Enjoy your crap fest (laughs) Oh, go read the bell jar, you poser Klaus,
2: prepare to feast your eyes On the majestic grandeur of the silver screen My name is Martin I'm 84 years old People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am I'd like to be normal I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. But I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet.
5: Martin, another kind of terror.
2: You see, people don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. realize that those things I see in the movies are not real. I don't have a whole lot of women. It's nice to watch them. I watch them a lot, all the time. I have to, to be sure that nothing goes wrong. I follow them. I plan. I'm very careful. I have needles now. I can use them. I can put them to sleep. And it doesn't hurt.
5: Martin, another kind of terror.
2: I would like to be like everyone else. I have to do things that I don't necessarily like to do. But I want to stay alive. I do need blood.
5: Of Night of the Living Dead. March, 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 March,
4: March, 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 March un- on, terror! It's party Rock and roll will never die. At least not this Halloween.
5: Inverted, raising spirits from the
2: dead by incantations, right? Yes. I did that by playing the record backwards. We are the men, and they
4: is you. Sammy Kerr. He's a rock and roll nightmare. I am a big fan of yours. I've got all your records. Suck! This message. is meant for me. Sammy Kerr. His fans won't let him die, he uh, won't let them live.
2: Uh, <laughs> You loyal to your hero. Make it turn on you
4: Shut it get Shut it off. Trick or treat. Take oh, looks like we better check out the party Starring Mark Price from Family Ties, with special guest appearances by Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons of KISS. Uh,
0: thank you, CDR, from the Cult of Muscle, for coming on uh, this show for the first time. We, we hope to have you back uh, whenever you want to come back, really.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It was a good time.
0: Um, you have anything to push, uh, show-wise or whatever-wise, you could uh, do that now.
1: Uh, You can basically just Google Cult of Muscle and all of our related stuff will come up. We've got a Facebook group, uh, a Tumblr page, Uh, we're on Libsyn, we're on uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. You got anything uh, coming up at all for for the show? This week we are talking about uh, Passenger 57 and uh, 13th Warrior, another John McTiernan movie.
0: (laughs) Just mentioned 13th Warrior, I I enjoy that movie as much hate as it got back in the day, I think it Built quite a following.
1: Yeah, um, Jake, at, Jake picked it for this week, and he's never seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I love it.
0: Especially at home video, it, it gained a big following, I think. Will be 31 mini shows, which I'm trying to kill myself this month for, with editing, I guess, for their 31 days of Halloween shows, which I, I've chosen for the bowels of YouTube, 31 films, to uh, to titillate my brain and whoever is going to come on those shows. A lot of our first-time watches for me, so it should be very interesting Getting that first-time perspective, a lot of them are, are a lot of like uh, throwback movies for me, like *Martin* and *Curtains*, which are films which I I didn't particularly enjoy when I initially watched them. But I'm gonna see how I feel with uh, adult eyes watching them to to see if I like them now. Uh, for the *Martin* episode, this is just so far for the month of October. We're gonna have uh, John Amplis for uh, an interview for for, for for to to go with that show. He's agreed to talk to us, so he'll tell us about Martin and how it feels to be a part of that, that great Romero camp and uh, all that great stuff. I'm sure he'll have some wonderful stories, and um, it should be a lot of fun this October for our, our Legionnaires and abroad and, and anybody else who listens to uh, uh, a Beef podcast. Uh, I love you all, by the way. <laughs> you guys may be number three on the Legion feed with a with a playlist. And I didn't put out nothing that month except for that playlist. And uh God bless you for listening to Shitty Movie Songs. I really appreciate you guys for that. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at GW. You can uh come join the CinnB Facebook group. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh you can win some, some memorabilia from me. I um, just went to Horrorhound Weekend like I mentioned and other shows I've picked up some extra autographs that I'm willing to part with, so I'll put out to post them this week again to Wet your whistle, entice, entice you to go hop over to iTunes to win maybe a possibly a Danny Trejo autograph. That that's in the mix if you like that kind of thing. A little Machete, and uh, yeah. With that, this has been some Beef Podcast. Where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you later.